0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: I'm your host Paul Gannon for the next two hours we will be talking sports and having fun doing I want all your ideas all your opinions and all your beliefs and of course as always you will get a heavy dose of my opinion if you have an opinion number to call 646-727-3070 that's 646-727-3070 you can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant that's blogtalkradio.com slash You can send messages to the show on Twitter at I T G G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. And while you're there at go4again, you can give me a follow-up at goforitgant. Also, you can hit us up here on the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash Chat it off. Talk sports. Have fun doing it. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Hall of Fame offensive tackle, the one and the only Willie Rope. And this is a big day for Willie Rope on this day. He has his Chiefs and his Saints. So this could be a great day for Willie Rope or it could be a bad day for Willie Rope. I'll let you know as we continue through the show if it's going to be a good day or a bad day for Willie Rope. Also, we're going to be joined by former Steelers running back, former Steelers, former Falcon running back, Perron Hayes Haynes, excuse me. and we're going to get his, talk, his thoughts on these playoffs, these upcoming playoffs, Wild Card Weekend. We're going to start here and get his thoughts on who may break through when this whole thing is all said and done. And we know that the last three winners of the Super Bowl have come from Wild Card Weekend. We know the Ravens and the Ray lewis ride, the uh, Giants, and what they did with Eli and those boys, and the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers and what they did. So we know that wildcard weekend has produced the last three Super Bowl winners so with that being said when we as we go throughout this show I'll give you the team most likely to go to the Super Bowl from wildcard weekend most likely to go to the Super Bowl from Wild Card weekend I'll let you know as we go through the show but I, I mean so you look at these teams now as they prepare for football today, and, and it's a great day for football here. I'm here on the East Coast, and you know, obviously we're we're we having we're having some snow. Obviously, it's cold. It's the winter time, so as expected, it's cold, and as expected, there's snow on the ground. And you look at in Philadelphia, obviously you have the Eagles and Saints. You have the dynamic of the whole road woes with the Saints eight and zero at the Dome three and five on the road, averaging 34 points per game in the Dome, averaging half of that on the road. So, obviously, this is a football team that's so much different on the road. And I look at the Eagles and and Saints game, and I tell you this, if this game was in New Orleans, I know who I would be picking. Now that this game is in Philadelphia, I think this makes this a a game that is going to be tough to decide for me. I'm really – not sure where I'm going, and as I go through these next two hours, I'll have a better idea. But at this point in time, I'm really not sure where I'm going. I mean, obviously you have a Philadelphia team that's playing some good football right now, but you also have a Philadelphia team that's 32nd against the pass. So, and Kyle Orton last week lit up this defense for 358 yards. Granted, Kyle Orton threw two interceptions, granted his defense forced three turnovers. But the point is, I'm trying to make is, you have Drew Brees now coming into the lane. You have Drew Brees now, obviously, a different quarterback on the road. But, but, you have Drew Brees who can light it up like no other. You have a Saints offense who can light it up like no other, at least in the Dome. But there are plays to be made against this Eagle defense, and I'll give the Eagle defense credit. While they're giving up yards, they're not giving up the points, and that's key. They're giving up the yards, but they're not giving up the points. And that's big. And that's big. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many yards you get, it's all about whether you're kicking field goals or scoring touchdowns. That, that's what this whole thing comes down to, whether you're kicking field goals or whether you're kicking touchdowns. Kicking touchdowns, whether you're kicking field goals or scoring touchdowns. Can't kick a touchdown, so that's what it is. It's all about points, and the Philadelphia Eagles have done a good job at holding a lot of their opponents of late to 21 points, 22 points or less. I mean, their only hiccup down the stretch here was against the uh, was against the Minnesota Vikings, where they gave up 48 points to Matt Castle. So I I, I guess the, the the point I'm trying to make is, you know, this is this is my quandary, this is my dilemma. You have a team in the New Orleans Saints who can score. You have a team in the New Orleans Saints who can score. You have a team in the New Orleans Saints who can essentially do a lot of things in the passing game. You have a team in the Philadelphia Eagles who are 32nd, against the pass, 30-second against the pass, the 30-second against the pass. The Saints can pass the ball with Drew Brees, of course. They can pass the ball with Drew Brees. But you look at the Philadelphia Eagles now. You look at them now. From weeks five on, this team has only given up more than 22 points, I should say, Once. Once. And that was against the Minnesota Vikings when Matt Castle lit this team up for 48 big points in over 300 yards passing. That is the last time we seen the Philadelphia Eagles team get lit up. That was the last time we seen the Philadelphia Eagles team get lit up. And what I mean by lit up... I mean by points. I mean points. Because, again, you can, throw, you can go up and down the field all you want. If you're not scoring points, it doesn't matter. But that's going to be a big one. Philadelphia Eagles and New Orleans Saints will go in deeper as we go through these next two hours. Also, obviously you got the Chiefs and the Colts going on today. I mean, Alex Smith and the Chiefs heading to Andrew Luck in the Indianapolis Colts. The Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts is a team that, in this season, they beat the Chiefs, beat them 23-7 in Kansas City. And in that game, I mean, other than that first drive that the Chiefs had where they were successful and Jamal Charles ripped off a 31-yard touchdown run to ultimately win or ultimately go up early in that game. I mean, other than that, the Chiefs were really shut down. Alex Smith. Made some mistakes, only threw for 153 yards, so the Chiefs were able, the Colts, I should say, were able to get after him and had some success against him. And the key here, I think, when it comes to the Chiefs and the Colts, is quarterback play, quarterback play also, and who runs the ball best, the best. But more so for the Chiefs, the Chiefs are going to have to be able to establish Jamal Charles. They're going to have to be able to try to, get, they're going to, have to try to get him off in this particular game. He had 109 yards in that first game, but for whatever reason, the Chiefs got away from him. But the Chiefs need Jamal Charles to be big time in this particular football game if they want to win this game. I look at Alex Smith, and here's the thing with Alex Smith for the most part. He's not a guy who is going to beat himself. He, he's not going to beat you. He's not going to beat you. So you're thinking here is with that is defensively, you know, if you're the Chiefs, you want to play big-time defense. You, you want to do that. And, and that's been a staple of what made you so successful this season is your defense and what your defense has done throughout the course of this season. Your defense is one of the reasons you start off 9-0, and ultimately your defense is one of the reasons you were able to get to the playoffs at this point in time. But I look at this particular game, man, and I, I think, you know, as I look at it and I'm debating where do I go here, and I'm going to give you that in these next two hours, but I think this is going to be a competitive football game. I think it's going to be a physical football game, but I think it's going to come down for the Chiefs, what Jamal Charles does, and if he can run the ball and if he can be effective, and for the Colts Andrew Luck in terms of him protecting the football. And I think he's going to make the plays necessary, but to me it's about protecting the football and not getting turnovers. Not Because this Chiefs team thrives off turnovers. Turnovers is what they use to be effective. That's what they need to be effective. Turnovers are big when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs. Turnovers are big. And I think you look at these turnovers and whether or not, A, the Chiefs can turn the Colts over and be whether or not the Chiefs can run the football with Jamal Charles. That's going to be the key. Here are my keys. Jamal Charles, whether or not he gets off, and the Colts on the Colts side, whether or not they protect the football. I mean, that's going to be a big game, and we'll get to detail. We'll, we'll get to that more in detail in terms of what may happen and what's going to happen on that, in that particular football game. And you've got Sunday. You got Sunday, you got the Chargers and the Bengals. And this is the one, you know, where it's really not much of a dilemma. And and the two games that I really have dilemmas with is Philadelphia, New Orleans, and also uh, 49ers and the Green Bay Packers. Those are two football games where where, where I kind of say I'm a little up in the air about for for a variety of reasons. But, I mean, I look at the the Chargers and the, the, the Bengals, and I say to myself, this comes down to, in a lot of ways, quarterback play again. From this standpoint, you look at Andy Dalton over the past two seasons for the Cincinnati Bengals in the playoffs against the Houston Texans, zero touchdowns, four interceptions. So he wasn't good and has not been good in the playoffs. He's had a, a quality season thrown for 33 touchdowns. He's had a good season for the Bengals, but last week he had some hiccups, four picks. That needs to be cleaned up. That has to be cleaned up in order for the Bengals to not only win tomorrow, but also to move forward in in these playoffs. I mean, the Bengals were a team at the beginning of the season, when when I made my selection, I I put the Bengals in the Super Bowl. That that was a team I chose to get to the Super Bowl, along with the San Francisco 49ers. So I believed in this football team at least to the beginning of the season. I believed in this football team. And, you know, defensively, obviously with the Bengals, this is a tough team on the defensive side of football, a tough football team. And I think this defense is going to bring it again in these playoffs. And they brought it the past two seasons in these playoffs. I mean, they're fifth against the pass, and they're fifth against the run. So this is a a stout defense here in Cincinnati. They're a stout defense. The key for the Bengals is this, whether or not Andy Dalton can make plays in the playoffs, whether or not Andrew Andy Dalton can make plays in the playoffs. He hasn't made plays in the playoffs. And because of his inability to make plays in the playoffs, the Cincinnati Bengals have went home. And they've won home. And, you know, obviously this is a different team, and obviously the last two games, last two playoff games for Andy Dalton, were on the road. This time it's in his building. It's in Cincinnati. So there's an opportunity for the Bengals to ultimately win this game. You have the Chargers in your building. I do like the way the Chargers have been playing of late. Phillip Rivers playing some big-time football of late, but the Chargers, in a lot of ways, got lucky. They got lucky against the, the the Kansas City Chiefs. You could argue they don't belong here. They don't belong here, but it is what it is, and calls are what they are, and situations are what they are, and things are what they are, and at the end of the day, the chief, the, the Chargers are where I guess they're supposed to be in the playoffs. And, and speaking of these playoffs, and before I get to San Francisco and, and Green Bay, speaking of these playoffs, there's a lot of talk has been about the the – inability of certain teams to sell out their buildings you had the packers who who just sold out their building and uh you had the colts you had some people who had to buy some things and you know you you had the same situation in uh, cincinnati and, and the same situation in green bay i mean you had situations where they were having a hard time selling out playoff games having a hard time selling out playoff games and i look at it from this standpoint um I look at it from this standpoint. When it comes to, to NFL football, especially if you're in the Northeast, especially when it's, when it's cold out, I mean, let's be honest. Do you want to say, and I know the, it's, it's a lot of times it's about the, not a lot of times, and for the most part it's about the experience. It's about the experience and being able to experience playing or being there in that that element, just being there and seeing it and, and, and getting the, the energy from the crowd and so on and so forth. I get all that as a fan. The experience is being there and enjoying the football game. I get all that. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. When you really think about it, from my standpoint, I love the game of football. I love the game of football. But here's the deal. Here's here's my opinion on this. Um, If I'm in Green Bay and the wind chill is expected to make the game feel like it's going to be minus 23 degrees. I don't think I want to sit out there for three hours and minus 23 degrees. I don't think I want to sit out there. in that. I don't want to sit out there when, it, when the, the wind chill is making it feel like minus 23 degrees. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. That That's not something I would do. I love the game of football. But guess what? I can watch the game on my couch. And watching the game on my couch, guess what? I can, I'm in my own home, so I can make the climate what I want to make the climate. If I want to make a, a, a toasty 75 degrees in my home, I can make it a toasty 75 degrees. So if I make it a toasty 75 degrees, I'll make it nice and warm. I'll have my couch. I'll have the ability to watch the game in HD. I have the ability to watch the game in HD. So in watching the game in HD, it's almost like I'm there, right? It's almost like I'm there, but I'm not dealing with minus 23 weather. I'm not dealing with the cold weather in Philadelphia. I'm not dealing with the the, the cold weather in in Cincinnati. I'm not dealing with it. Indianapolis is really no excuse. You play in a dome. But I'm not dealing with those elements. I'm not dealing with those elements. And so for me, it's simple. It's simple to me. I I love football. I'll say it over and over again. I love the game of football. But guess what? Guess what? You have in Green Bay, Associated Bank purchased the remaining tickets in Green Bay. So they avoided a sellout. They avoided a blackout. They avoided a blackout. And Indy, Meyer, Bought up 1,200 tickets in Indy. They avoided a blackout. Then you had Kroger and other companies in, in Cincinnati who helped buy up the remaining tickets there to avoid a blackout. I mean, here, here's the bottom line, and, and you know, to me, I'm per, I I'd rather watch these things at home. A, I'm not paying 100 plus dollars to go out in minus 23 degree weather. I'm not doing it. B, I can control the climate in my home. I I can watch it on HD. I don't have to go to the concession stands and buy expensive food. I have a refrigerator full of food that I can go in there and, and, and whenever I want to, open that refrigerator and decide what I want to eat. So why would I want to go out in that cold weather and deal with all that? I don't think it's worth it. I really don't. I really don't think it's worth it. I mean, I was, you know, I'm here in the Philadelphia area, and I was on StubHub looking around, and, you know, they're, you're talking about, what, $100 plus, plus to pay for standing room only seats at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. Standing room only seats in that cold weather. I'm good. I'm so good. I'm not going out there A to stand for three plus hours in cold weather. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. So I get all that. I understand why people would not want to go to to these games and, and, and prefer to and just rather watch it at home. I get all that. To me that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. As far as I'm concerned, that's what I would do. I'd stay at home. I'm watching this game in the comfort of my own home. I'm not going out in that type of weather. It's not worth it. But Indianapolis, no excuse. You play in a dome. No excuse. You play in a dome. You shouldn't. There's no excuse. Sell out that game, Indy. Sell out that game. But the elements are going to play a role in a lot of these football games. In mean, minus 23 degrees, I mean that's the way it's going to feel like in Greenback. Minus 23. Players, you know, obviously it's difficult for them, but they're, they're they're at least running around, so you're going to get warmed in. But if you're watching that in the stands. You're talking about layers, upon layers, upon layers of clothing to sit out there. You're talking about hats, long johns, doubling up the pants, doubling up the socks, gloves, obviously, couple shirts, probably three, four shirts, two, three shirts, because you're not moving. Not unless you you know, the Packers are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, you're probably doing a lot of sitting down. If the 49ers are dominating the football game, you're probably doing a lot of sitting down. I'm not doing it. I'm not knocking anybody who does do it. Again, the experience is great. The experience is great. The last game I went to, last, playoff game I went to was the Lions and Eagles back in 19, it was a 96 the 95 season. That was a year where, was it 50, 52 to 37, 54 to 37, something like that. The Eagles beat up on the Lions in that particular football game, but it wasn't that bad. Weather, the weather really wasn't that bad. I believe it was like in the 30s. It wasn't that bad. I did layer up and I was fine and I ultimately, I mean, I felt good because the Eagles won. So I was layered up and the Eagles won. So it was, a, it was a good day for me. It was a very good day for me. So it was okay for me. But again, minus 23 degrees, I ain't doing it. Sorry, I'm not doing it. $100 million contracts in the National Football League. $100 million contracts. And I bring that up because Jay Cutler signed a new deal with the Bears. Seven years, $126 million. 54 of which is guaranteed. Big-time money for Jay Cutler. And you look at Jay Cutler, you look at the Chicago Bears, a team that missed the playoffs, again, a team that one of the reasons they did miss the playoffs was defense and not necessarily the offense, because the offense was big-time for the Bears. I mean, Sean Jeffries and Brandon Marshall, those guys put up big-time numbers whether it's Cutler, whether it's McCallum, the Bears were able to move the football. Defensively, they weren't able to stop anybody. And that was one of the reasons the Bears are home here today. That's one of the reasons they're home is their inability to stop anybody. But I look at this deal and I look at Jay Cutler over the years and you look at some other $100 million contracts that are out there in the National Football League, you look at Michael Vick who had $200 million contracts, you look at you know, just looking at the quarterbacks, Drew Brees, he signed a hundred million dollar contract, worth it. Aaron Rodgers, hundred million dollar contract, worth it. Joe Flacco, hundred million, questionable. He did win a Super Bowl, but at this point, is he really worth a hundred million dollar contract? At this point, obviously, you look at the National Football League, and we say hundred million dollar, but at the end of the day, it's really not a hundred million dollars. You look at the guaranteed money. Because most of these quarterbacks aren't going to go through the the re, it's not guaranteed money and they're not going to last those years. Most of these most of these quarterbacks. I mean, Michael Vick signed two hundred million dollar deals and he didn't get through both any of them. So he had two opportunities to get through a hundred million dollar deals and he didn't get through any of them. So the point I'm trying to make is this: most of these quarterbacks won't get through this. this you know won't get through the deals. But the reality is, you look at the situation now. You look at Drew Brees, he's worth it. Aaron Rodgers, he's worth it. Tony Romo, another hundred million dollar deal. He's got to get to the. He's got to get to the playoffs. I mean, the, you know, the last three seasons, the Cowboys have played in the NFC East championship games and lost all three of them. And Tony Romo played in two of them. He had his hands on on, on two of them. I mean, but you look at the whole situation. These hundred million dollar contracts. You look at Jay Cutler. My question is, is Jay Cutler worth it? I get why the Bears did it. The reality is in the National Football League, there are not a lot of big-time quarterbacks. There are a lot, I mean, there are not a lot of quarterbacks out there. But to me, I look at Jay Cutler. Over the years, he's been banged up. Over the years, he's been a guy who's, who's you know, shown not to be one of the greatest leaders out there. He's shown that as well. He's shown not to be a great leader. He's shown that he's really has not been a healthy quarterback over the years. So to me, from that standpoint, and I, and I get why. I mean, this guy has a big arm. This guy has big talent. But at this point, I mean, I look at Jay Cutler, and I look at Michael Vick, and I know Michael Vick is a little older than Jay Cutler. But the point I'm trying to make is, I look, I look at Cutler, I look at Vick, and to me. And I understand. Again, I understand why the Bears did what they did. I get it. I, I, I get it. it. Makes. I mean, you, you you get it. But I also look at Jay Cutler, thirty years old. I look at Jay Cutler, and, and you know, this is a guy now. Last time he made the playoffs was two thousand and ten. Ironically, that's the last time Michael Vick made the playoffs, and I'm trying to draw some parallels between Michael Vick and Jay Cutler. Last time, last time, these guys that won a playoff game. Well, for, Michael, for last time that Vick and, and, and Cutler made it to the playoffs in 2010, Cutler got to the NFC East, not the NFC East, but the NFC Championship game. Michael Vick lost in the first round to the eventual eventual Super Bowl-winning Green Bay Packers, and eventual Super Bowl-winning Green Bay Packers also beat Chicago Bears and Jay Cutler in the NFC, East, NFC Championship game. We keep saying NFC East. I must love the NFC East so much. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is this. Jay Cutler now, 2011, started 10 games. 2012, he started 15. And in 2013, he started 11 games. So this is a guy who's had some issues with injuries, has some issues staying healthy. His, his, his toughness has also been questioned, as we saw back in 2010, where in the NFC championship game, where he took himself out because of an injury, he took himself out of that game, and a lot of people criticized him for it. I forgot what he what was. It? might have been a, um, it was some kind of leg injury a lot of people criticized for, criticized him for that a lot of people twitter was a buzz about jay cutler he was they were a buzz by jay cutler but the, the thing about him and he's 30 years old but have you i get why the bears did it. quarterbacks franchise caliber quarterbacks they don't grow on trees they don't so there's not a lot of them out there but Jay Cutler hasn't been the most health, healthiest quarterback out there. Um, the guy hasn't been one of the greatest leaders out there, though they say he has matured and, and is turning into a leader. But he hasn't been that guy. And you also look at it from this standpoint also. This is a contract year from Jay, for Jay Cutler. A contract year. So with that being said, being that it is a contract year, of course he's going to try to find a way to demonstrate leadership. Of course his attitude is going to change a little more. Of course he's going to be a little more humble. Of course he's going to be all those things. He's going to be all those things. Of course he's going to be humble. Of course he's going to try to demonstrate maturity and leadership. That's what he's going to try to demonstrate. Of course he's going to do that. But I'm looking at his numbers. I'm looking at 2009. He came to the Bears in 2009. 26 interceptions to 27 touchdowns. 2010, the year he got the Bears all the way to the NFC East Championship game. In that particular season, I say in the NFC East, did not, to the NFC Championship game. And in that particular season, Numbers aren't an eye-popping. Only 23 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. But then 2011, misses six games. Team doesn't make the playoffs. 2012, they go 10-6. and six. He misses a game. Only 19 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. But again, team doesn't make the playoffs. 2013, Team again does not make the playoffs. He's five and six as a starter. Five and six as a starter in 2013. Five and six as a starter. But 19 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. I'm looking at those numbers. I'm looking at the results. And the question I'm asking is: This the right move? And, I mean, it's the move, it's what's done is done, and this is the, the, the way the Bears want to go with their franchise. But to me, and I know Mark Tressman, a guy who's, who's come in and who's done some work with quarterbacks over the years, and, did, I mean, obviously this Bears offense was not the problem this year, far from the problem this year. They were not the problem this year. This Bears offense did everything that a team could do to get this team to the playoffs. But also look at this. Even though the Bears put up, 50, even though the, the the Eagles put up fifty four points against the Bears two weeks ago, this, and that was the opportunity for the Bears. They didn't even have to worry about the Green Bay Packers game. They could have finished and clinched this whole thing against the Philadelphia Eagles. And the Eagles essentially were playing for nothing. And you look at Jay Cutler. He didn't have a great football game. And defensively, I know you gave up fifty four points. But offensively, he scored only 11 points. And we're not talking about a big-time defense in Philadelphia. We're talking about a defense that's 32nd against the pass. So we're talking about a defense that's going to give you opportunities in the passing game. And you had an opportunity right then and there for your football team to win and ultimately put themselves in position to make the playoffs. And you come up small. I'm not saying completely you because your defense was awful. Your defense stunk. They stunk in that particular game. They were awful. So I'm not putting this on you, Jay, completely in in the Philadelphia game. But your offense only put up 11 points. You only put up 11 points. And you look at that, and this is the Eagles' defense. Granted, they've been holding teams under 22 points, 22 and under, except for Minnesota for the past few weeks. I'll give, all that. I'll give you all that. But at the end of the day, you can make plays against that Eagle secondary you didn't make any plays in that game, Jay. You didn't make a lot of plays in that game. And you came up pretty small. You came up pretty small. I look at that, and I say, you know, is this what you paid for? Is, is this what you paid for? And then again, the defense. Hands are all over this season for the Chicago Bears. The defense's hands is all over this season. But you had an opportunity, Jay, to to get your team into the playoffs. Now, I understand your defense gave up 54 points. I get all that. I get all that. 47, actually, because you threw a pick six in that particular game. The defense gave 47 points but you only put up 11 points, Jay. Your offense only put up 11 points. Only 11 points. So you only put up 11 points, and you had an opportunity for your team to get to the playoffs. And then you don't have to worry about facing the Green Bay Packers. Did not have to worry about facing the Green Bay Packers at all. At all. But I look at you – and you were, again, five and six as a starter. Five and six. You were five and six as a starter. Five and six. Josh McCown was three and two as a starter. And I'm not saying Josh McCown was better than Jay Cutler, but what I'm saying is, five and six as a starter. Guys missed some time over the years a guy who's had some questionable leadership abilities over the years a guy who has at, at times not played the best of football over the years and you give him 126 million dollar contract but let's not focus on the 126 you give him 54 in guaranteed dollars 54 million in guaranteed dollars Jay Cutler Is he worth it? Time will tell. Would I have done it? I don't think I would. But Phil Emery, Mark Trestman, those guys know a lot more about Jay Cutler than I do. Those guys are a lot closer to the situation than I am. But on the surface, on the surface, it seems like a lot of money for Jay Cutler. It just does. It it just seems like a lot of money. We'll see what happens. Should be very interesting. Let's go to. I want to go back to. I want to go to the NBA real fast, Fallon. You know, I know there's a lot of good football going on today, but I got to go to the NBA real fast. Chris Paul out three to five weeks. Separates his shoulder. At least three to five weeks. Doc Rivers says it could be longer. That's a big blow for the LA Clippers right now. A team up there in in the standings in the Western Conference. But that's a big blow. That is a big blow. That's your leader. That's the leader of your basketball team. That's the leader of your basketball team. And he is out three to five weeks. And I guess this is one of the reasons why you sign a guy like Darren Collison, a, a guy who came in actually and played some pretty good basketball last night, saved the day, if you will, last night for the L.A. Clippers. But I look at this Clipper basketball team, and obviously losing a guy like CP3 is going to be big. But, again, this is why you signed Darren Collinson, and maybe Darren Collinson can, can hold down the fort for this period of time, for a period of time, which I think he can. He's a very capable point guard in this league. He's a very capable point guard in this league. And this is why, again, you bring in a guy like Darren Collinson because of his ability and because of his capabilities as a point guard for your basketball team. So I don't, you know, we'll see what happens. I think they can hold the fourth down with Collison at this point in time. I think they can. But obviously if you're talking in terms of what this whole thing is about, winning a title, obviously you're going to need Chris Paul. And let's stick with the L.A. Clippers. Uh, There's been some talk now that, And according to some reports, according to some sources, there have been talks internally amongst these teams about a possible deal, Melo, Carmelo Anthony, for Blake Griffin. Carmelo Anthony, for Blake Griffin, and sources say Clippers, the management, Clippers, the management of the Clippers have had some discussions internally about a possible Melo for Blake Griffin trade. And you look at Blake Griffin having a big-time season at this point, Well, especially over the past 10 games where he's averaging 26 and 11. So he's been getting it done over the past 10 games. But you look at Blake Griffin, you look at Carmelo Anthony, you look at the situation with the Knicks. Griffin as a whole is averaging 22 and 10, and is only 24 years old. But you look at both of these players as a whole, and as you look at it, you're saying to yourself now, what do you do here? You have Melo, who's about to be 30. He's 29 right now, but you have Chris Paul, who's 28. And this Clipper team right now, I'm not saying they have what it takes to get to the NBA Finals at this point in time. I don't think they're better than the Spurs. I don't think they're better than OKC when Westbrook's healthy. And the Trailblazers, are there's also another team in the mix as well. So I don't think they're better than who they need to be better than to get to the NBA Finals at this point in time. Does Melo, a guy who, who can score the basketball like no other, is putting Melo in the mix now? Is that a move, if you're the Clippers, is that a move that you make? I think if you're an X with the whole situation with Melo and you know whether or not he's going to sign – with your team moving forward, I think you definitely have to think about this deal. But if I'm the Clippers, there's no way – if I'm the Clippers, there's no way I'm making this deal without any type of assurances that Melo is going to stick with my franchise. No way. No way. So obviously that has to be settled, and I don't think the Clippers will make the move anyway because they would be stupid. I think everybody knows they would be stupid – if they made that move without any type of assurances that Melo would sign with them. So obviously this move would be predicated upon Melo signing a new deal with the Clippers, and he could sign a five-year, $130 million max deal with the Clippers. But I look at the whole situation with, with the Knicks, and they could still make the playoffs in the Eastern Conference, but that's not saying much. That's not saying much at all, you know. That's really not saying much in the Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference is bad, so of course they can make the plus, But that's not saying much. I, I don't think that's impressive. I don't think anybody is looking at that and saying, "Oh, wow, wow, jeez, great." Only anybody saying that. But, but you look at this whole situation. You look at. Carmelo Anthony, uncertainty, whether or not he's going to sign with you. If you're the Knicks, if you know for sure that Mel is not going to resign with you, Blake Griffin is a great piece moving forward, great piece moving forward. But, and if you look at the Clippers, look at the Clippers. This is a Clipper team now that, you know, with Chris Paul, your leader, being 28. You want to do this thing soon in terms of winning a title. You want to do this soon. Will Blake Griffin? People have questioned his toughness. Has he done enough to to when uh, when that athleticism goes away? Has he done enough to prepare himself? And again, he's only 24, so he has time to do that. But, but it's an interesting one. It's a very Very interesting one. Because I think the Clippers would be a better team with Melo in comparison to Blake Griffin. I, I really do. I just think what Melo brings to the table would be more suitable for what the Clippers need at this point in time. I really do. But I don't know now if, you know... Blake Griffin is only 24 years old. Blake Griffin is having a fairly good season with 22 and 10. But DeAndre Jordan is getting better. Obviously, he doesn't have the offensive numbers that Blake Griffin puts up, but he's doing decent work on the glass. And obviously, if you make a move like that, you are, in terms of size, you are limiting yourself in terms of size. Now, Melo has proven that he could, can play a little power forward and has done that with the Knicks. But, but, even with that being said, even with that being said, you still are limiting yourself in terms of size. But Melo will come in, I think he's, he's a, he, he has that scoring ability. He has, And I would give him, a, Mello has a level of killer instincts. I, I give him that, but, You know, over the years, Melo has been known for scoring and putting up numbers, but he hasn't been known for a lot of winning. Now he got to the conference title game, conference finals, I should say, with the the Nuggets a few years back, and he had a formidable point guard in Chauncey Billups there, and that helped. That helped, having Chauncey Billups as your point guard. Now he'll be playing with a big-time point guard in Chris Paul. Can that connect? And those two, one, you know, what was that Mello's wedding a few years back? Them talking about was it Paul's wedding or Mello's wedding? One of their weddings, they were talking about, um, you know, those two coming together, forming some kind of big three, so on and so forth. So these two obviously would like to play with each other, at least in the past. There's been talk about that. It would be an interesting move, but I think if you're in the Knicks, especially with the uncertainty with Mello. Especially with your uncertainty with your team at this point in time and the way your team has been playing, I think this is a move you should explore. And I think if you're the Clippers, this is a move that you should think about as well. I think both teams. This is a this is an intriguing move. Either way, it's it's very intriguing from from a lot of from a lot of ways for a lot of ways and a lot from a lot of standpoints. But the bottom line is, you know, I look at the Clippers and Chris Paul is your leader, and I think. This team, I don't think they're prepared to win today, but I think a Melo-Paul combination to me would be better than a Griffin-Paul combination. I think you have a better opportunity to win a title with Griffin and Mello than with Griffin and Paul. And I don't think with Griffin and Paul at this point in time, I don't think Griffin and Paul is good enough to beat OKC Westbrook, if Westbrook's healthy. I don't think they're good enough to beat the San Antonio Spurs if they're healthy. And also you have to add add the Portland Trailblazers in the mix, a team that's surprising everybody who's playing some big-time basketball. I don't think, as they're presently constructed, they have enough. And even with Doc Rivers in the mix, even with the culture change and the culture shift in Clipperland, I don't think it's enough. I don't. So it's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out and whether or not this happens. A mellow for Chris Paul, a mellow for uh, Blake Griffin. We'll see if that ever pans out. We'll see if it happens. And sticking in the National Basketball Association, the whole Andrew Bynum situation, and, you know, what's going on there, and that's a, that's a whole mess. You know, he was suspended indefinitely by the Cavs. Ultimately, they, they they ended that suspension, but they have kept him away from the team. And at this point, they're exploring deal. There was a deal that many people thought would happen, not what many people thought would happen, but there was a deal that was talked about between Bynum and the uh, Cavaliers and, and the Lakers with pal Gasol. So Bynum for Gasol deal, a swap between those guys and other players would have to be added in as well, but. I look at that deal, and I know the Lakers, they said they wanted to add, according to some reports, they wanted wanted some more talent or some draft picks or so on and so forth. But this would give the Lakers an opportunity to save about $20 million in cap space and luxury tax money. That's a lot of money to save. And the Lakers are going nowhere at this point in time. And the opportunity to get by them, waive them, and move them on this way. I mean, the Lakers aren't going anywhere. They're not going anywhere at this point in time. So I think the Lakers need to explore ways to to open up salary cap space, explore ways to to pay less money on the luxury tax, and explore ways ultimately to try to get better. Because at this point in time, uh, Kobe Bryant being out until February, and even with Kobe Bryant, like I said a few weeks back, even with Kobe Bryant being there, it's not like it matters. It's not like the Lakers were a championship caliber team. So the Lakers need to find a way. A is to try to get a max player in the off season, a guy that they can team with Kobe Bryant, maybe LeBron, who can opt out, maybe Melo, who knows. They need to find a way to, to to get another player to team with Kobe Bryant, so moving forward, their team can become what the Lakers are all about, and that's winning championships. Lakers, Celtics, those teams are about winning championships, and the reality is, they need to, to the Lakers need to find a way to put themselves in position to get themselves back where they need to be. They have an opportunity if they miss the playoffs, which I think they will, they have an opportunity to, and they get to keep their draft pick in 2014, which is a good thing for the Lakers. So they have an opportunity to possibly get a decent player in this deep draft. So there's an opportunity for them to get a decent player. So you get a decent player, you go out, hopefully you can get a max guy, a franchise changing type of guy, the team with Kobe Bryant in his final two years, and you don't know what Kobe's going to be, if he'll ever be – obviously he's not going to be the Kobe of old. I don't think so. It might be a variation of that, but he's not going to be the Kobe of old. He's not going to be that guy. But I look at the Lakers, and I look at a team that needs to think about finding ways to get better moving forward, not this year. This year, they're not good enough. They're not going to be good enough. And they're not making the playoffs in the tough Western Conference with or without Kobe Bryant. That's the reality of their situation. Gasol, I mean, he's a piece that you can trade. And they need to think about moving him. And whether buying them deals what they're the, and this them deals strictly about money. It's about money. If they feel like financially this helps the team – I think this is a deal they should think about. A deal they definitely should think about. Because the reality is, what are the Lakers at this point in time? And your franchise, the Los Angeles Lakers, what are you about? Are you about titles? Are you about barely making the playoffs? And I think this Lakers team has all always been about titles. Magic in the 80s, into the 90s, early 90s. And then Kobe. Shaq in the 2000s. You guys have been about titles. And then Kobe and Powell at the end of this decade. You were about titles. You were about titles. You're not about titles right now. You're about, at this point in time, barely making the playoffs. The Dwight Howard thing didn't work out. You had to deal with Chris Paul, the league nixed it. None of those things have worked out. What do you do now? You've got to rebuild. And I think a big part of this rebuilding process is this deal that could be on the table, maybe on the table, maybe off the table. Uh, that which, but it has been discussed, pal, for Bynum, and the opportunity to, to help your situation out on the cap, an opportunity to save you some money on the luxury tax. and the Lakers have a lot of money, so they're, they're more willing to pay the luxury tax. But, again, you don't want to pay the luxury tax for uh, a team that's on the outside looking in in terms of playoffs because that's what they're going to be. They're going to be on the outside looking in. So they have some decisions to make in Lakerland, and this is a deal that's an opportunity for them to help them get themselves in position to try to compete moving forward. Put themselves in position to try to compete moving forward. You, Los Angeles, are about titles. You have to find a way. You have to find a way to put yourself back in that position to win titles. And now, in terms of the final trade talks, now the Cavaliers have looked at Richard Jefferson and the Utah Jazz. So now that's another option for them. Um, Jefferson. And buying them their money, are fairly identical. So it's an opportunity now for the Cavaliers to get Richard Jefferson. And you look at Richard Jefferson. You look at Richard Jefferson. And you look at what – I mean, do you remember Richard Jefferson and when he was at the Nets? And I always thought he benefited from playing with Jason Kidd. Always thought that when it came to Richard Jefferson, but you look at Richard Jefferson with the Nets, with Jason Kidd, and then after all those guys left in New Jersey, they were the Nets. They were New Jersey back then. Richard Jefferson had a big time year, but ever since then he's been kind of disappeared. You know, you, you where is Richard Jefferson? I know, you know he signed with the Spurs, but he, you know he just he really did not get himself a lot of minutes. And it's just like he almost fell off and came out of nowhere. He came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere. Nowhere. And the, and the Jazz, you know, they, there's an opportunity for them, again, to save money. To to get out of this contract with Richard Jefferson and save money. But the Cavs also are thinking about keeping by him. So if they can't find a deal that they want or a deal that's suitable for them, they're thinking about keeping Bynum. I don't know how you can do that. I don't know how you can do that. I don't know how you can work this out. There are also some some, um, reports coming out of Cleveland that Andrew Bynum may have slept with an assistant coach assistant coach's wife for the Cavaliers. Uh, yeah, I don't know how true that is. It's just rumors. You don't know how true it is. But the Cavs are thinking about possibly keeping Bynum and then doing it again, see if they can shop him again to, to see if they can find any suitors for this guy. And He's been, you know, he's had some moments, but you look at Andrew Bynum over the past two seasons now. This guy's been an absolute dog. Especially, I don't want to say last season. this season he seemed like he tried to go out there and tried to work through the pain and try to get himself in basketball shape and try to play decent basketball. But obviously he's still having issues. Having issues with some of his with with the team with the Cavaliers and they said he's been a cancer with the team and you heard some reports also that the guy's really not interested in playing the game of basketball. And I've never really liked the game. And you look at you look at guys and I'm sure we've all seen it and been around it, and have experienced it. Guys who, who get real tall, get real big and say, You know what? Let me play football. Or you know what? Let me let me play bait. Let me play basketball. Let me let me do something. I'm seven foot, um, I'm you know, I'm six five, I'm two something, I'm seven foot and I'm two something. Um, let me play basketball. Why not play basketball? I don't really love it, but guess what? I'm pretty good at it. Why not give it a shot? And he strikes you as one of those guys, a guy who never loved the sport, a guy who's not in love with the game of basketball. He strikes you as that guy, and you, and you see it. You see it. He, you just look at his mannerisms now. and you know His, his mannerisms are of a guy who has a level of disinterest. You know, he's different. He's a different dude. He's a different, definitely a different dude. Um, you can even look at some of his hairstyles from a year ago. And you see, you see a guy who's a different dude. He's a different dude. Um, so I don't know, but he never really looked like he enjoyed the game of basketball. Never really enjoyed. Never, never. You never saw a guy out that was out there who was enjoying enjoying himself. You didn't see the same type of passion. So let's say let's compare him to a guy like Allen Iverson. Maybe it's not fair to compare him because Allen Iverson was a lot more outward with his emotion. But even so, you look at Allen Iverson, you see a guy, you saw a guy who enjoyed playing basketball. You don't see that with Andrew Bynum. You don't see it at all. And as a Sixers fan, last season, you know I, I've forgiven Andrew Bynum for what happened last season. But we had so much promise, you know. There was there was all this talk, hey, maybe we can make a run in the Eastern Conference, so on and so forth. But ultimately, Andrew Bynum never played a minute of basketball. For the 76ers, never played one minute of basketball, never, not one minute at all. Could not get back from the knee injury. But you you also saw a guy who didn't seem like he was working too hard to get back from the injury. And and fair or unfair, I, I just didn't see a guy who seemed to work hard. To get back from that injury, that was a tough year for the 76ers. It was just a, a tough year for me personally as a 76ers fan to see it because you had so much promise in Andrew Piner For whatever reason, he went to Germany. Got some, you know, went to Germany. A, a la Kobe Bryant to get some kind of treatment that would hopefully help him move forward, help his knees. That didn't work. Obviously, he didn't. He didn't play. The guy. Did not play a single solitary minute last season. Did not play a single solitary minute. Not even one minute. I mean, I love to would have. I would loved to have seen him play one minute and, and put that number 33 on for one time, one game. Just didn't happen. It just didn't happen for Andrew Bynum. It just didn't happen for the Philadelphia 76ers next hour of Go For It coming up. In that hour, we're going to be joined by a couple former NFL players who know a lot about NFL playoff football. For Ron Haynes, former running back for the Steelers and Falcons, and also Hall of Famer Willie Rofe in the next hour of Go For It. The next hour of Go For It starts right now. to go for it Donald Faison. on your Knicks have the best chance out east though I will say that the Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat and the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season but it doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time when the playoffs come it doesn't <laughs> mean anything I uh, was trying to throw you know what? I was trying to throw you a bone man I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up come on man I'm a realist <laughs> too man <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones, well, we know that, you know, we know that you can have marry women. We've seen, you, you, you have a pedigree. we see seen what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around, you. I, I just don't know what you're capable of. Come
0: on, now. Come on, now. That's all right. That's not rocky. That's called brother.
1: All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back trying to make it fun, trying to talk sports, have fun doing it. I want to go, uh, before, you know, uh, obviously the playoffs get started in the National Football League, I want to go to college football now. we got a big BCS title game coming up Monday night for all the marbles. For it all. Florida State, Auburn, for everything. This is it. Winner take all. And this is gonna this is an interesting football game for, for me for a lot of different reasons. And one reason to me, I, as I look at this game, I see Florida State, and I see Auburn, I see Auburn as Destiny's child. I see Auburn as Beyonce, Michelle, and Kelly. I see Auburn as a team that, no matter, they just won in magical, mysterious, amazing ways. Whether it's the game against Georgia where, uh, you know, you had that play at the end and, you know, you scored on that big 73-yard pass on 4th and 18 with 25 seconds to go. You scored a 73-yard pass on 4th and 18 with 25 seconds to go. That's magical. Then, against Alabama, Nick Saban decides to do the unthinkable and go for 57-plus-yard field goals. He misses it. Chris Davis picks it up, and he returns it for a touchdown to win that game. Oh, but that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. Davis returns Davis at returned 100 yards, but that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. You needed, you still needed help. And you got that help. Ohio State. You needed Ohio State to lose to Michigan State. In the Big Ten title game. And it happened. It worked out for you. Ohio State beat Michigan State. Ohio State beat Michigan State. I mean, Michigan State beat Ohio State, and guess what? Guess what? Now you win the SEC title game, and now you're playing in a BCS title game. You're playing in a BCS title game. You're playing in a BCS title game. It's magical. It's magical. It's just magical how it happened. So magical. Amazing. Amazing. But now you're going up against Jameis Winston in the Florida State Seminoles. Now you're going up against the Heisman Trophy winner. Now you're going up against a guy who's played some big-time football for Florida State. He's played some big-time football. Can the magic continue? Can the magic continue for Auburn? Well, one thing to me, the key to the game is Florida State and their ability to stop the run. They, and they've done a good job stopping the run throughout the course of this season. If they can continue that, and this is an Auburn team that puts up a lot, over 300 yards rushing per football game. So they run the ball like no other team in the country. 300-plus yards running the football. And they have what, 500 yards rushing, 500-plus yards rushing against Missouri in the SEC title game. So this is a team that runs the ball. But you're a team of Florida State that has shown the ability to stop the run. You have shown the ability to stop the run. Only give them 93 yards on the ground. 93 yards on the ground. That's it. That's it. Only 93 yards. You're going up against now, Jameis Winston, who has a who had a magical ride, and a, a quarterback that. Young guy, 19 years old, and he seems unfazed by a, each and everything. I mean, he just seems so unfazed. He really does. I mean, whether it's sexual allegations, rape allegations hovering over his head, no matter, even with those allegations, he continues to go out and play big-time football. It didn't matter. It did, the Distractions don't get to this guy. He seems unfadable. He seems unfatable. To me, the key is obviously Auburn's going to have to be able to try to stop Jameis Winston. They really haven't done a good job of stopping teams throughout the course of this season. I look at, I'm, I'm just looking at numbers. And, and strictly on numbers, to me, you have to say Florida State. You, you have to say Florida State. You have to say a team that averaged 53 points a game and only given up 10. But you also have to look at this. Florida so State plays in the ACC. Auburn plays in the SEC. So Auburn, you could say, may be the more battle-tested team based upon schedule. It may be the more battle-tested team based upon schedule. But you look at three BCS matchups between undefeated team and the one loss team, the one lost team has won each time by at least twenty points. So I guess that number favors Auburn. But they have to stop Trey Mason. They have to find a way to shut him down if you're Florida State. And Florida State, again, has been very good against the run. But they have to find a way to shut him down. They can do that. Obviously, you put the game in Nick Marshall's hands. And I think if you put the game in Nick Marshall's hands, and I know Nick Marshall's played pretty well down the stretch, but if you put it in his hand, this is a guy. Only put the ball up 100 plus times, a well, 126 times. So that tells me one thing, A, your running game is a big part of what you do, which is obvious. And, B, that if you're an opposing team, you put the ball up 212 times. If you're an opposing team, you want to put the game in the hands of Nick Marshall. But I, I look at uh, – to me, this is similar to what I was thinking about um, in last year's Super Bowl with the 49ers and the Ravens. What I was thinking about and, and saying to myself, okay – The 49ers, to me, have the better football team. The 49ers have the better football team. I kept saying to myself, and I said it on this air, do I want to bet against destiny? Do I want to go against destiny? And I felt like the Ravens with Ray Lewis and that whole situation, I felt like there was a possibility I was going up against destiny. I was going up against destiny. And you look at, the Ravens. And last season, I thought the 49ers were a better football team. But I thought the Ravens had that some special something going on that was unexplainable. And maybe Auburn has that same something going on that's unexplainable. It's unexplainable. 73 yards, 4th and 18. That's unexplainable. Even last year with the Ravens, Ray Rice was a 4th and 25 or something like that against the San Diego Chargers. They don't win that game. They don't make the playoffs. But that game and, and, and what happened there and how they were able to get, able to get the first down on a dump-off pass, a dump-off pass. But then you look at the playoff and Flacco, 70 yards to Jacoby Jones, to tie the football game, ultimately send it in overtime, ultimately win that game against the Broncos. You just look at those things. And the 100 yards, Chris Davis, um, after the field goal miss. You look at all those things. And all these things, and you say to yourself, "Am I going up against destiny here and picking Florida State?" I went up against destiny last year and picking 49ers over the Ravens. I went up against destiny last year and picking the Broncos over the Ravens. I think I'm going up against destiny again in this particular situation. I'm going with Florida State. I mean, this team, Winston, has been magical has the whole situation with Auburn. But Winston has been big time throughout the course of this season. Florida State has steamrolled their way all the way to this point in time. I just like the way Winston's playing. I just like the the no matter what came in his way, no matter what distractions came in his way, I like the, his way to, his ability, allows his ability to, to be able to to get through the distractions and continue to play lights-out big-time football. And that's what he has done. He's played lights-out big-time football, and ultimately he's led his team to where they wanted to go, and that is the BCS title game. I'm going with Florida State here. I'm riding with Florida State. I'm riding with James Winston. I'm riding with that magical season. I think that magical season continues Monday night against Auburn, but I have some trepidation. Um, I am a little nervous about nervous about my decision here because I hate to go against Destiny, but I got to do what I got to do. When we come back, we'll be joined by running back, former NFL running back, for Ron Haynes as we discuss the NFL playoffs. You listen to Go for it on Block Talk Radio. How and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that the Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but
0: and that just doesn't, doesn't mean it.
1: anything in the playoffs. Time in the playoffs come, it doesn't <laughs> mean anything.
0: I uh, was trying to you—I know
1: was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones, well, we know that, you know, we know that you can kept married women. We've seen, you, you, you have a pedigree. we see what you can do. We've seen
0: it.
1: I would never bring my wife around, you. I, I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on, now. Come on, now. That's all right.
0: That's not rocky That's called butter. All
1: right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> and we're back. And as we said earlier in the in the broadcast, big, big football line big football today, big football this whole weekend. The NFL playoffs are on their way it's starting. It's here. It's here and this is always a great time of the year. Just getting past the holiday season now. Into the NFL playoffs and you know, there's a and as I said before, we came on. As I said before, earlier in the show, the last three Super Bowl winners have come from wildcard Weekend. Will that change? We shall see. But let's bring in a guy now who knows a lot about the NFL playoffs. A guy who has played and won in a Super Bowl. Let's bring him in now. Former NFL running back Veron Hayes. Veron, how you do?
0: How you doing, everyone? How are oh. you, sir? Um. Well. Happy holidays to you.
1: You too. You too. And and let's get started, Veron. I mean, the playoffs are starting right now. Let's start with the Chiefs and the Colts, a rematch from this season. You have the Colts now, who dominated that particular game and won twenty three to seven. This time around, it's in Indy. Last time it was in Kansas City, and the Colts found a way to win in Kansas City. Now they have it at home in Indy. What happens today, Veron? Who wins that game?
0: I think I think Indy uh, uh, Indy Indy pulls it out because. Here's the thing, that Andrew Luck guy, who, he, he <laughs> under pressure, I like him. I, I take him into a battle in a Foxville any day. Definitely,
1: and he he's he played some big time football this season. I, I, I look at to the, the
0: defense, the injuries to the defense uh, with KC. You know, I don't know if they overcome that. Right, and and
1: you're talking about, you know, Justin Houston's supposed to play today, and at this point I'm hearing Tamba Ali is going to play, but you don't know if they'll be 100%. You don't know how well they'll play in this particular game. To me, it comes down to quarterbacks, and you talked about Andrew Luck being big time. But I look at this game, and and I'm wondering if Alex Smith can make the plays necessary for the Chiefs to win this game.
0: He no nah, no doubt about it. I like Alex Smith. No okay. question. He's a winner as well. But I just think under pressure I will take Andrew Luck any day. I like him. Okay. You, you know they're not a they're not a team that starts fast. They're always you, you, you know they 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 make you pause for a second and and, and kind of and and, and kind of get the gun and not, and just when you're about to shoot yourself in the foot <laughs> they'll come back come on in their, in 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 their eyes and then they'll start winning.
1: Now, I, and also I think a key to this is also the run game and Jamal Charles. If the Colts yes. stop Jamal Charles, I don't think there's no way the Chiefs can win this game.
0: And and that's and 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 I think you hit it on the head with that and 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 the and surprisingly enough, the Colts have been doing a great job of running the ball effectively as well.
1: They have, they have. Donald Brown has done a good job for them, and we'll see if that continues today.
0: We'll, we'll definitely Absolutely. see what
1: happens today. So you're going with the Colts.
0: I'm going with the Colts on that one.
1: Okay, okay. Let's go to tonight. You got the Eagles and the Saints. We know the Saints team eight and zero at home, three and five on the road. Average thirty four points per game at home, seventeen on the road. So obviously, this is a much different team on the road in comparison at home, and you look at this team and you look at the situation in Philly, it's going to be cold tonight in Philadelphia. Yes, do you know the it Saints is. road walls continue tonight?
0: Uh, you know what? I do think so because the, the, my son likes the Saints, and that's where I get okay. most of my picks from, him. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go against him tonight because just for the simple fact that Dome teams, I don't know how well they play outside in the cold, especially a team like the Saints. Once they get that, you know they they experienced that not too long ago uh, out there in um, in, uh, in 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 uh, Seattle, and right. they got beat. They got beat pretty decisive. So I don't know how they do on the road in a playoff game in the cold. That scares me about that team. Yeah. Definitely. But here's the thing. I look at it, and I'm a little
1: torn on where I want to go here for the simple fact is that the Philadelphia Eagles, they're 32nd against the pass. And I know the Saints' offense is much different on the road, but Drew Brees is Drew Brees. And, you know, last week Kyle Orton threw for 358 yards against the Eagles. So there are plays to be made against this Eagle defense. So that's what I'm a little torn
0: about at this point. Yeah, but they were also inside, and 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 the the weather was what seventy degrees in there playing okay. playing. You no, know, you know, no sleeves and all that. You know, when you roll it up at the end of the day, those cold weather teams they have an advantage. I used to love to play or in 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 inside of the Pittsburgh Stadium in Heinz in the cold okay. with, with 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 against the dome team. <laughs> But what, what is it about it? I mean, you
1: played with the Falcons, a dome team. What is about what is what's about the, what is it about the teams that come from domes and go outside? What is it? Why does why is there such a change in how they play?
0: Well, first of all, the uh, the grass you're playing on grass, right? It's not a fast surface. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not 70 degree weather. It's it, 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 it's cold out there. Most people are playing more clothes. You know the dome weather teams. They come up there and they're they have on the sleeves. They have on the, the they 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 wear extra layer of clothes. It's just not your norm that you're used to. Even okay. though in the week they try to simulate it inside, uh, they'll probably turn on the the, uh, the the temperature, turn it up a little bit. You know, uh, make it a little colder. Make you know, put on the AC or whatever. It's not the same thing because you're still. Playing on a surface that's that's that you're not used to, you're playing on you're okay. used to playing on that field turf and everything. And w- once you start sliding and all, you, you know the cuts are differently. You got to you 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 have to anticipate your cut a lot differently than you would do on turf as opposed to grass. Right. And so uh, I,
1: I, it does. It basically come down to the, the the Saints have geared their team to play. In that dome in, in that you know on that fast surface, in comparison to like an Eagle team who geared their team more so to play on a grass surface,
0: I I I, I truly believe so. I truly believe so. Okay. And
1: we'll see what happens tonight. I mean, it's going to be inter- interesting. But judging by what you're saying, you're going with the Eagles tonight. I'm going with the Eagles. Okay. I'm going. and. Right, and, so- and, and,
0: and- and, 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 and I love the way – remember we talked about this before the season, who they wanted to, to rally around. Eventually right. they were going to get Michael Vick up out of there. at the first <laughs> opportunity that they got. And sure enough, when, when he gave it them happened. enough ammo, he, he – he, I mean, you, you can't really be mad because an injury, you know, it happens, right? But it just right. so happened that it came at a long time, and that's what they were looking for, and he gave it to them. So, you know, I and, and he's playing some sensational ball for, for the Eagles, man. Nick
1: Foles has been getting it Nick done. Foles. 27 Nick touchdowns Foles. Yeah. to two interceptions. He's, That's, he's getting it he done. You can't argue yes, with is. that. <laughs> you can't argue with that at all. We're talking to former NFL run, running back, Ron Hayes. And Varon, you look at it now. Let's go to Sunday's matchups. You know, you, you start off with Chargers and the Bengals. This is another rematch game. The Bengals beat the Chargers in San Diego. Earlier in the season, but you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, the past two seasons in the playoffs, Andy Dalton, zero touchdowns, four interceptions. Does that change yep. today for the Bengals?
0: Jay, hey, I like I like the Bengals in this situation because simple fact that that defense, even though they lost Atkins last week right. uh, with, with 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 the ACL, that defense is still by far a, a, a slight. I, I, I give the edge to them in that game. Chargers did a great job of sneaking in there last week, you know, and 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 knocking my Steelers out. But <laughs> I'm still giving I'm still I'm still giving the edge to to, to Cincy. You know, AJ Green, man, what a what a what a sensational athlete.
1: He's big time, big time. Hello?
0: And my son said the Chargers also lost to the Chiefs. <laughs> Almost lost to the Chiefs backup. And, yeah, yeah,
1: that's a good that's a, that's a good up. point. And, and, and you also look you also look back at that game. Also, um, you had the situation where the officials missed a call that would have given oh, the oh, Chiefs yes. a five yard penalty. Would have given the Chargers a five yard penalty? Ultimately, Chiefs Chiefs would have had a better opportunity to make that field goal and get your Steelers in the playoffs. I guess at the <laughs> end of the day, wasn't meant to be.
0: I guess not.
1: <laughs> let's, let's, let's go to the nightcap now On Sunday where we have the 49ers And Packers This is another rematch game From last year's divisional playoff round Where San Francisco 49ers went up And down the field with Colin Kaepernick A year ago But you look at it now, the weather This is a game where the weather may play a factor The wind chill is supposed to make it feel like Minus 23 degrees In Green Bay At game time How much will the weather play a role in this game?
0: Uh, You look at the weather, it will be effective. But let me tell you something. with What I saw out of Arian Rodgers, that guy, he rallies his troops, and they want to play for him. And it's something to be said about that. Whenever whenever a guy has – it's all in his pedigree, his delivery. Mm -hmm. They look night and day. They look like a different team with him commanding, com- commanding that offense. I'm going with the Packers. I'm
1: You're going, going with the, the Packers.
0: Packers? I'm going with the I'm, Packers. Here's the thing. and, but, I, and
1: Also, that's I, that's I look at before. the two teams in, in the cold weather, and, and both of these teams, you look at the 49ers for Frank Gore, they're geared to play in the cold weather. And you look at the Packers with Eddie Lacy. They're geared to play in cold weather. So, this is an interesting one. I, I, I'm, I'm torn with this one as well because I look at the 49ers, and I think the 49ers are the better football team. But you also talked about Aaron Rodgers and the type of swagger that he has. I looked at that game last week with the Packers against the Bears. And Aaron Rodgers, like you said, he plays with that confidence and he gives that team that swagger. So, I mean, this, this is a tough game. But you're going with the Packers at home against the 49ers. I'm going 49ers. with the
0: Packers, and that's a tough one, like you said. I, I – I, it could go either way. You know, right. you get Frank you get you get Frankie running that ball and, 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 and not just running it. Frank knows how to he, he he's one of those downhill running backs that can gut it out in the in, in the cold weather and that's what you have to depend on and rely on in these kind of games, situational games. The Packers have a great a, a great running back with Lacey, so, you know, that's where I think I give the slight edge to Someone who's been there, done that, a veteran, as and 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 a swagger like Green Bay's quarterback Aaron Rodgers. What's the coldest game you ever played in? Man, I'm telling you what, it was against the Jets. Okay. In a playoff game where that kicker, he, uh, uh, okay. the Jets kicker at the time, missed right. three or four field goals that would have probably propelled them into the, the division mm-hmm. championship, but mm-hmm. he missed it. Luckily for us, we uh, we took advantage of that and, 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 and was able to pull off a victory, but that that game was probably the coldest game I've ever been around, and when Ben threw that ball, it felt like a brick was hitting wow. your hand.
1: Wow. And what did it feel like when you were
0: win- Oh, man, it's it's... <laughs> it's chill. <laughs> you are when you come off. You find the heater. That's the first thing that you do. You find that okay. that 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 heat blower, and you sit on. You, 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 you'll see a lot of teams huddle up right around it right before they go. And it hurts whenever you get tackled. Trust me. I can imagine. I can imagine.
1: We're talking to former NFL running back Veron Haynes, and Veron, you know what it takes to get to a Super Bowl. You know what it takes. To win a Super Bowl, take us through what it takes to win a Super Bowl. Take us through a Super Bowl run.
0: Well, the Super Bowl run that we went on was the uh, the first that way that it had not had had been done that way with being a wild card berth and, right. and, and 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 going on the road for all all of the games and and winning. So that right there in itself, veterans in the team. I tell you what. That's what it comes down to, veteran okay. leadership, and how well you guys gel together. Because okay. it, oh, it, 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 you 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 can't listen, you can't you 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 have to to, to to get all your focus in on just what at hand, which is which is the bigger picture. It's not the partying after the the, the win. <laughs> it's not it's it's. It's, it's just being able to have a, 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 a short-term memory. If you do something, good or bad, you've got to forget it and move on to the next place, and it's being able to rally around each other. That's okay. what I think whenever you look at great teams that, that, that peak at the last minute, that's what they're able to embrace.
1: At the end of the day now, Varon, who is going to be that team that embraces all these things, that, that, that has the veteran leadership, that works together. Who is going to be that team that makes it all the way to MetLife Stadium and ultimately win the Super Bowl? <laughs> Give me Denver. Give okay. me
0: Denver, man. Give me okay. Denver. I, I like the Broncos. I like the Broncos in that situation. Who, who, who do they
1: beat? Who, who, who do you think they'll beat in the Super Bowl? I,
0: I, you know, at the beginning of the year, I said the two teams that's going to be playing – for so the Super Bowl is going to be Denver and Seattle. Okay. And I, it, and it hasn't changed. Those have been the two All best right. teams by by far. All right. Well, if you look at Before, Seattle, if you look at Seattle and their defense. Man, they're going to be tough. You know definitely. with those the, with, the, with that with that DB core that they have over there and, that, and, and and the way that that front seven gets to the quarterback, they match up well with anyone in the league.
1: Definitely, I, I, definitely, I mean, we'll, we'll see, but let, let me just remind you, the last three Super Bowl winners have played yeah. on wild card weekend, so just a reminder, just a reminder, <laughs> just a reminder moving forward, Veron, <laughs> right. I know you're on Twitter, where can fans connect with you on Twitter?
0: Uh, Buron, at Veron Haynes, D-E-R-R-O-N Haynes, H-A-Y-N-E-S, and i And I communicate with everybody. You ask me a question on there, I'll answer you. That's, hey, meet and greet. Let's do it.
1: (laughs) Varon, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again.
0: Let's do it, Paul. Good luck to you. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Varon Haynes, former NFL running back. And he has the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl with the Broncos winning it all. And that's, you look at that pick, that's a tough pick to argue with. Uh, That's a tough pick to argue with for for a lot of different reasons. I mean, obviously the Broncos, home field advantage throughout. Obviously the Broncos have a guy who's had the best year as a quarterback in Peyton Manning. Obviously the Broncos are a team that, you know, they they lost to the Ravens in the divisional round, so it's a team that's, Battle, I wouldn't say battle-tested, but it's a team that's, that's smart and after that loss and want to get to the Super Bowl, and everybody wants to get to the Super Bowl. But the way they lost last year in that game, a game they should have won, you know it's a team that's desperate to get back not only to the playoffs, which they're in, but ultimately get to the Super Bowl. And Peyton Manning wants to prove a lot of people wrong because a lot of people are talking about Peyton Manning in cold weather. So it should be interesting, but, you know, it's kind of hard to argue with those picks in the Seattle Seahawks, I mean, no no one wins in Seattle. Arizona did win at the end of the year, but let's be, this is a team that gets it done at home, and they're going to be home through the playoffs, so they're going to be a tough out for whoever goes into Seattle. You're going to need to bring your A game, your A-plus game, if you want to go in Seattle and get it done. That's what you're going to have to do. But we'll see what happens, and this is why you play the games. But again, again, just like I reminded Veron Haynes, let me remind you: three of the last Super Bowl winners have come from Wild Card Weekend. So, and then you can argue this this point. Well, guess what? Most there there are more teams playing in Wild Card Weekend than they are playing in the Divisional Round and on the Championship game. So, just by sheer numbers, I guess maybe it should happen that way, just by numbers alone. But anyway, let's go back to these games now and let's look a little deeper. Philadelphia. In New Orleans, and this is going again. This is going to be an interesting game, and I'm just looking at some of Drew Brees' numbers, and I'm looking at him on grass. On grass, 85 for 125 in terms of completions, 85 completions, 68 completion percentage, 891 yards, but four touchdowns and four interceptions. This is on grass, and then you look at Drew Brees on turf, and it's totally different, 35 touchdowns to only eight interceptions. So a totally different football player on grass than in comparison to turf. But the reality is he's going to be on grass today, and it's going to be cold, and the Saints have never won on a road in the playoffs. And I don't know how much I read into that, but I look at this team. It's just weird. You look at this team and I said it before, if this game wasn't in, in New Orleans, I would not bet against the Saints. If this game wasn't in New Orleans, I wouldn't bet against the Saints at all. But this game is not in New Orleans. This game is in Philadelphia. This game is in Philadelphia. So that changes things. That That changes things. That changes things completely. And I look at this game. And I look at the Philadelphia Eagles in comparison to the New Orleans Saints. The Philadelphia Eagles are a team that's built to play in this type of weather. The Russian champion, LeSean McCoy, who's been big time. We saw what he did in the snow against the Detroit Lions. We've seen what he has done throughout the course of this season. We look at the Saints defense. Much better. Much better than they were a year ago. This is a defense uh, that's 19 against to run, so you have opportunities against the team in the run. You can run the ball against the team. Look at the Saints, conversely, on the offensive side of the ball. This team, in a lot of ways, really isn't geared to playing this cold weather from a simple standpoint. This team is 25th against the run. And their leading rusher, Pierre Thomas, is out for this game. So their best guy in the run game is out, Pierre Thomas. He's not playing today. He's not playing today. And he is their best guy in the run game. Their best guy in the run game, Pierre Thomas, won't be playing. That's big. That's big. And it's going to be cold in Philadelphia, 20 degrees. It's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. So guess what? You have to say that favors the Philadelphia Eagles. But you also look at in terms of the defenses. And I think if if the Saints can get the Eagles in passing situations, they have an opportunity because this team sacks the quarterback. The Saints sack the quarterback. They get to the quarterback. Forty-three, excuse me, 49 sacks for the Saints this season. Forty-nine sacks. So they have the ability to get after the quarterback. You got Junior Gallette. You got Cameron Jordan. Twelve sacks for these guys. So these guys are able to get to the quarterback. And you look at this team, and in terms of that, if they can get the Eagles in passing situations, and if they can limit LaShawn McCoy, I think the Saints are in business. Because I think you get, if you can get pressure on Nick Foles, obviously he doesn't move around a lot. But if you can get pressure on him, hit him a little bit, I think you can definitely help your calls. I think you can limit this Off You look at last week with the Cowboys game. Foles played decent in that game, but the Cowboys did get after him. They did hit him a little bit, and they did have some success against that Eagle offense. So, if you're, like I said, if you're able to get to the quarterback, and this North defense is better than that Cowboy defense. So, if you're able to get to the quarterback, and the Saints have proven that, the Saints can have some success against this Eagle team. But, again, I look at this the game, and, again, this is going to come down to who? Runs the ball better, in my opinion. Who runs the ball better? And here's the thing, also, in breaking out the, breaking down this game and why. Uh, I, again, I said to Veron Haynes, and, and I'm saying it to you guys again. This this ego off defense. They don't give up. They they limit you on the points, but they do give up a lot of yards. Maybe the Saints can break through. Maybe the Saints can break through and get those points that teams weren't getting. Maybe. But this game is intriguing for a lot of ways. This is intriguing for a lot of ways. And I look at it and I say to myself, where do I go? Who do I pick? Who wins this game? Who do I choose? Who do I choose in this situation? I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the Philadelphia Eagles will be able to run the ball with LaShawn McCoy, which is going to be big. I think they'll be able to get after Drew Brees a little bit. And I also think more importantly, I think, you know, the Saints offense, the Saints team is a totally different football team on the road. And I think, I think those road woes do continue. I like the Eagles tonight, but it's going to be a very, very close football game. I like the Eagles to win 24-21 to 21 in this particular game. This is going to be a close game. It's going to be an interesting game. But I like the Eagles tonight, 24-21. to 21. Also today, let's go to the Chiefs. And then Indianapolis Colts, and this is a game, interesting football game. These two teams didn't meet in the regular season. These two teams, you look at them, to me, as I said to Veron Haynes, I'm talking about quarterback play. It comes down to quarterback play. And who, what quarterback can make the plays in order for their team to have success? What quarterback can make the plays? And Andrew Luck to me, it's the quarterback who's the better quarterback in this particular football game, and I don't want to I don't want to sleep on Alex Smith because we've seen Alex Smith in the playoffs and what he did against them. And I look at let's look at Alex Smith last time he's in the playoffs. You remember that big game he had against the Saints where he got his 49ers past the Saints, and also you remember the game against the Giants. The reason they lost that game wasn't because of Alex Smith. They lost that game because of Kyle Williams' two fumbles, two fumbles on the punt returns. That's what cost him that football game. It wasn't anything. It wasn't Alex Smith. It was Kyle Williams who cost him that game. So let's be clear about that. But I look at Alex Smith in this game. I think he's going to have to make the plays. But I also think Jamal Charles is going to have to get off on some level. And if he, he got over 100 yards last time against the Colts. And if he can get off in this particular game, that bodes well for the Chiefs. Also, I think a key to this game is the Chiefs have to get up early. I don't think you want the Chiefs in a comeback situation. If the Chiefs get down early, I think you also have to favor the Colts. The Chiefs can't get down early because this is a team that you love to see have to come back. Because at, at that point, they're going to be forced to pass the football and Eric Fisher, there's some uncertainty with him at this point and he's a guy that, that helps anchor your offensive line. There's going to be some uncertainty there. So, so, with that being said, with that being said, in terms of how I see this thing playing out, who am I rolling with? I'm rolling with the Colts. I'm rolling with the Colts and N D. That Colts defense is playing some pretty good football at this point. They get after the quarterback, Robert Mathis, does a good job of getting after the quarterback, I like the way the Colts are playing as a team. You know, they have some hiccups there. And this is the Colts team. Look at this team and look what this team has done. They've beaten Seattle in Indy, and they've beaten Denver in Indy. And they went on the road and beat San Francisco. So this team, And they went on the road and beat Kansas City. This team has beat some formidable teams. This team has beaten the who's who's in the National Football League. The so Seahawks, the Broncos. I mean, the Seahawks and the Broncos, who, who are, are two teams that many believe are going to get to the Super Bowl. And this Colts team beat both of them in Indy. I don't think that changes today. I think the Colts win this game, and I think the Colts move on. It should be an interesting game, but I think the Colts move on against the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is a successful season for the Chiefs, no matter what happens at this point, especially after being 2-14 a year ago. So I like the Colts today. Let's go to Sunday now. Chargers and Bengals, Cincinnati, this is a team that over the years have struggled in this spot, but this, is, this time it's going to be different from for them for the simple fact that this game will be in Cincinnati. The past two games Andy Dalton has played in the playoffs have been in Houston. This time, this is an opportunity now with his team having a home game, having an opportunity at home now. There's no excuses at this point for Andy Dalton. Last two, first year as a rookie, you can understand that. Second year, again, is still in Houston. You can understand that. Now, All the excuses are out the door. It's time for Andy Dalton to be Andy Dalton. It's time for him to be that franchise guy. It's time for him to be that franchise guy. And those four interceptions last week against the Baltimore Ravens is not what you expect out of a franchise guy. So he can't have those type of hiccups in this particular game. He got through it. His defense helped him get through it. It helped that Joe Flacco was equally as bad. That helped him. But here's the reality. Here's the reality. You know what you're going to get from that Cincinnati defense for the most part. They're able, they're able to stop the run. They're able to stop the pass. They're able to do all of those things, and they're able to have success. They can get after the quarterback. You know what's going to happen with Cincinnati on the defensive side of football. Your uncertainty with the Bengals is what's going to happen with Andy Dalton. And that's been the question I have for the, that's my question for the Bengals all last year into this year. What is going to happen with Andy Dalton? Is Andy Dalton – good enough and is Andy Dalton going to make enough plays for you the Cincinnati Bengals to ultimately get to the Super Bowl to win this game and get to the Super Bowl is that going to happen do you have that in Andy Dalton is Andy Dalton going to be that guy is he going to be that guy Andy Dalton in the playoffs zero touchdowns four interceptions not good So this guy hasn't thrown a touchdown in the playoffs, his career in the playoffs. So you Andy Dalton's going to have to be big time. Andy Dalton's going to have to make the plays. Can he do it? And you look at this Charger team. Phillip Rivers playing some pretty good football at this point. Playing some pretty good football right now. And he got his team into the playoffs. Again, some help, some luck along the way. But he got a team in the playoffs. And it's the team now. It's playing some decent football. Well, I think there's plays to be made against this Charger defense. I mean, you look at Chase Daniel. He had some success against that Charger defense. And as a whole, there are plays to be made against this Charger defense. So, the question is, will the, the, the Bengals make these plays against the Charger defense? I think they will. I think defensively. I think that, uh, that the Bengals will do what they have to do on the defensive side of the ball. Something they have done throughout the course of this year. Who am I going with? <laughs> Give me the Bengals tonight. I like the Bengals tonight. I, I like their defense. I like them in this spot. And, again, this is a situation for them. Situation now with them, they've been in this spot. Three pass. See, two pass. The Two pass. That I really can't even talk. The past two seasons, they've been in this spot. And I think this is the time and the opportunity for them to finally break through. They're favored in this game. This is the time. No excuses, Andy Dalton. No excuses at this point in time. You have to break through. And one of the one ways you can break through is by having some success and not throwing interceptions but throwing some touchdowns. Mixing some touchdowns here, Andy. Mixing some touchdowns. And we'll see what happens. And also the nightcap on Sunday, which concludes wild card weekend. You have the San Francisco 49ers. You have the Green Bay Packers. You have a game now. It's a, This is just an interesting game. for For a, This is just an interesting game. Because I look at it, and the 49ers, defensively, are the better football team. The Packers are, are, are off on the defensive side of ball. You can make plays against that defense. A lot of plays can be made against that defense. Not very good. But I look at the Packers with Eddie Lacy and, and James Starks, and obviously having Aaron Rodgers back, the straw that stirs the drink, having him back is big. But I, I look at Lacy and, and, and Starks and those boys, and – You say, okay, the Packers, they're built to win in minus 23 degree weather. You look at the 49ers with that defense, with that run game with Gore. And even their quarterback can run the ball, Kaepernick. You can say the 49ers, they're geared to play in these these elements. Both of these teams are geared to play in these elements. And I don't know how minus 23 degrees can't be a factor. I mean, the ice ball is what? Minus 13. So you're talking about an additional 10 degrees below zero. An additional 10 degrees below zero. So I look at this football game and, 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 and looking at this game, I, I see right now a situation where if you're the 49ers at this point, if you're the Packers at this point, I think I'm going to go with the team and I hate to go against Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. But he is coming off a collarbone injury. It seems to be 100% obviously what we saw last week. But, but I look at this and I, and I say, okay, defenses are big in these type of football games when the weather is not optimal, when the weather is not at its best. Defenses are big in these type of football games. And to me, I trust that 49ers defense more than I trust that Packer defense. And you look at the 49ers defense, they stopped the run. That's big. Fourth against the run, they stopped the run. Conversely, the Packers defense, they don't do so well against the run. Twenty-fifth against the run. Twenty-fifth against the run. So guess what? Who do you favor? Who do I favor? And conversely, you look at the 49ers. They're third in rushing yards. So, Frank Gore, saddle up, baby. Saddle up, baby. The 49ers are going to ride you. Who wins this game? It's simple. I'm going with the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going with them. They run the ball. They stop the run. The Packers, they can run the ball, but they don't stop the run. And I think in this type of weather, minus 23 degrees, in this type of weather, you got to favor a team who runs the ball better and who stops to run better. And I think I'm going with the 49ers in this game. Should be interesting. So let's recap. I like the, today, I like the Colts and the Eagles. Sunday, I like the Bengals and the 49ers. We'll see if those picks come true. No matter what happens tonight, it's going to be some great football. And also, the question that's been coming up, and as I said throughout the course of this show, the last, three Super Bowl winners have played on Wild Card Weekend. So which team is most likely to get to the Super Bowl? And I think that's simple. I think the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers are the most likely team playing on Wild Card Weekend. The, most team, the team is most likely to get to the Super Bowl is the 49ers because, again, this is a team that's, that's hungry. This is a team that's been to this stage a few times. this is a team that has Frankie Gore has Colin Kaepernick who has played better down the stretch for this team. It's the team that – you look at the 49ers, man, they're playing some good football, and they ended the year on a six-game winning streak. They're sort of coming into this dance a little hot. They're, they're coming into this situation hot. And, you know, they, they played some pretty good football down the stretch. I mean, you're talking about wins against Seattle uh, mixed into that. And, granted, There's only one playoff team on that list of victories they had in the final six, but six wins and six wins. Six wins in a row is six wins in a row in the National Football League. And these wins don't come easily. They don't. But I look at San Francisco. They're a hot football team. They're playing some good football right now. Colin Kaepernick is playing much better than he did earlier in the season. That's a plus for the 49ers. That's big for the 49ers. So I look at that. I look at that. But one thing that's a, that is a little concerning is you know, they have given up some passing yards so that you can get the ball down the field on the 49ers. We saw Matt Ryan do it, and we also saw Carson Palmer do it the past few weeks. But the weather, it's going to be a little different in Green Bay. So we'll see what happens. But I like the 49ers. They're the team to me that's most likely – to get to the Super Bowl that's playing here on Wild Card Weekend. The 49ers, they're built. They're built for this. They're built for this. Here's the thing. They do have to go through Seattle more than likely. That's unless the New Orleans Saints win. If the New Orleans Saints win, I think if you're a 49ers fan, you're rooting for the New Orleans Saints. They're the sixth seed. So, And that's a team that, being a sixth seed, would have to go to Seattle, and the 49ers would avoid Seattle and go to Carolina. But the Panthers, these two teams didn't meet in the regular season, and the Panthers put the locks on the 49ers. But the 49ers, Kaepernick at that point had some struggles, was having struggles. At that point in the season, Kaepernick was having some struggles. But again, but again, I look at it, and I like the 49ers. They're the team that's most likely to go from wildcard weekend to the Super Bowl. And, you know what, let me put my picks out now in terms of who's going to win this whole thing. I had the Bengals and the 49ers at the beginning of the season. I guess I'm obligated to stick to that. Bengals and the 49ers in the Super Bowl with the 49ers winning it all. Real quickly now, Dallas Cowboys last week against the Philadelphia Eagles in that game. Um, you know, we saw Black Monday, a few uh, coaches getting fired. And... Jason Garrett survived, and I just don't know how he survives. I don't know what he does. I don't know. I, I, Jared, Jared, I know Jerry Jones really loves him, but he really must love him a lot. Because I, I look at the past three seasons, you're playing at NFC East Championship games, and you're losing each and every one of those games. Past two games were on the road, but this game was in your building. Granted, Tony Roman was out. But I think I, I point to that game, and I tweeted this out uh, last week. To me, What saved Jason Garrett's job was Tony Romo. Tony Romo saved his job. He saved his job by, hey, winning in Washington and getting it done there down the stretch. And, you know, even with a herniated disc, leading his team down the field and ultimately scoring a touchdown and winning that game against the Redskins to set up an NFC East Championship game. So I think that helped save the job of Tony Romo, I mean, of Jason Garrett at that point in time. That saved his job. So he goes in the Philadelphia. He goes in the final week. Got home against the Eagles. Kyle Orton is your quarterback. With that being said, now you have an out, and I think that out helped Jason Garrett keep his job. And also think what helped Jason Garrett keep his job is the relationship he has with Jerry Jones. And Jerry Jones loves the guy. But also you could say Jerry Jones. You look at Jason Garrett. Doesn't seem like to be the guy who's going to 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 get in the way of Jerry Jones and what he does and many have said over the years Jerry Jones needs to fire himself as a general manager. I don't see that happening any time soon, but look at the Cowboys. There's a drought in Dallas, and Tony Romo, he, he's had a few back surgeries now at this point, so you wonder now, you know, a guy would have messed up back, a bulky back. You wonder what is he going to be moving forward? What is he going to be moving forward? Dallas obviously – has to do some things on the defensive side of football. But I look at the Cowboys and just watching them, and it just seemed to do some dumb things. And the, the play calling is very, very questionable. Callahan, Bill Callahan, supposedly calling the plays. But I look at that Eagle game. They had a 4-1. DeMarco Murray was having success against the Eagles, and they decided to pass the ball on a bootleg with Kyle Orton, which was batted down by Connor Barwin. So it's just questionable. You look at the Packers game, DeMarco Murray going up and down the field, Lou got the ball 11 times in the first half, only got the ball seven more times. He was over 100 yards in that game, and he was dominating that game. And The Cowboys were in control of that game, so it would make more sense for them to run the ball in order to win that particular football game. You're up in the second half, run the ball, and get out of there. So I, look at, I point to those things. You point to the Lions game where they gave it up at the end there. You just look at some of the things the Cowboys do, and you've got to go to play calling. They're play calling has been very questionable throughout this season. And Bill Callahan, Jason Garrett, that they, they has to be shorted short, short up a little bit. They have, I mean, I, I don't know what the philosophy is, but I mean, obviously the philosophy is throwing the football Kyle and throwing the football 48 times. DeMarco Murray is a decent running back. He's a good back. He needs to be utilized. They obviously have to improve the defensive side of football, and, and the play calling has to get better. They have weapons on the offensive side of ball to be successful with Des Bryant Witten, and DeMarco Murray. And of course Tony Romo. But the play calling has to be better and Tony Romo had a good season. Had a heck of a season. So the issue with the Cowboys, and you look at the talent you know, people love the, the quarterback play, you get the, you get that type of quarterback play that you get from Tony Romo. The type of quarterback play that he's given you throughout the course of this season. If you get that from his from a quarterback if you get 31 touchdowns out of a quarterback, you, you, that's successful. That that That's what you want. You can't ask for anything more than that. that. That's good. That's decent. That's good numbers. That's solid numbers. 31 touchdowns. If you could tell your quarterback only, only 10 interceptions and almost 4,000 4, yards passing, you can't ask for any more. You can't. Cowboys have to improve their defense and improve the play calling moving forward. I want to thank Veron Haynes for stopping by. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Veron Haynes, and support some of the great things he has going on. He answers all your questions on Twitter, so support some of the great things Veron Haynes has going on. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForAgain. Go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash Go4Again, where you can check out some of the great interviews that we had on this show. Good times there, good times on this show. So check us out, blogtalkradio.com slash PM where you can listen to this show. Another great show is so hit us up on Twitter, at Go4Again, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. Hit us up on YouTube, youtube.com slash user slash Go for it, again, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. For everybody here at GoFort, we hope you have yourself a great day and a great weekend. If you're on the East Coast, stay warm. And if you're Green Bay, minus 23 degree weather, stay warm and enjoy your football.
0: Have a great day. See you later. Take care.